Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, November 21st, 2017. A cold morning here in the Northeast, but that's what you get in November. It's Mike Lang coming to you live with the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. And another day, another game, another win for the Boston Celtics. It is 16 in a row now, and they had to work for this one, just like they've had to work for a couple here. Uh, They got down double digits again, this time to the Dallas Mavericks, the lowly Dallas Mavericks in Dallas. But they were able to to band together, tie the game, and then pull out a 110-102 win in overtime. And again, it is 16 in a row after two losses to begin the season for the Boston Celtics. What a streak for this team who overcame adversity, obviously, on the first day to to do what they've been doing. Continues to be really fun to watch. Last night was the Kyrie Irving show. No bones about it. 47 for Kyrie. Had 25 at halftime. Uh, 47 for the game. 10 of those were also in overtime. So he just kind of took the overtime uh, over, for lack of a better way of putting it, and put the game away for the Celtics. The biggest play of the game, the Celtics were up two with the ball in overtime with time winding down. Irving got into the lane, backed down his man, scored on an up up and under move and got fouled, and that was it right there. And I've told you that the Celtics have really been doing this as a team. It hasn't really just been the Kyrie Irving show, uh, even though the, you know, the, the, the guy is a superstar with every offensive move in the book. It hasn't just been the Kyrie Irving show for most of the street. Last night unquestionably was the Kyrie Irving show because he, he, did get, he got 22 from Jalen Brown in a good outing. He got 15 from Jason Tatum. But other than that, he didn't get a whole heck of a lot of help. Marcus Smart had 12 off the bench, but he went 3 out of 15 from the field and 2 of 11 from three-point range. Did get eight assists in the game, which was which was nice to see from his perspective. So it wasn't a completely unproductive night off the bench from Marcus Smart, but that was by far the most productive uh, bench minutes or, or bench time that anybody gave the Celtics last night. Aside from Smart's 12, they only had three other bench points all night. So... This was a night, and Al Horford, by the way, only had three points. Marcus Morris, starting, only had eight. Uh, This was a night where the Celtics needed Kyrie Irving to take over a game because the other guys just didn't really have it. And that's going to happen over the course of an 82-game season. You know, sometimes guys just are are not going to have it the same that they always do or they normally do. So they, they, they looked at Kyrie. They said, you're our leader. You're our guy. Take the game over. And he did. And... If you look at the Celtics team last year, I mean, they had Isaiah, and Isaiah could take a game over. I mean, he certainly was capable of doing that, especially in the fourth quarter. Again, I come back to it. In that type of a situation, do you want Isaiah Thomas or do you want Kyrie Irving? If push comes to shove, push comes to shove down the stretch. Given the choice between Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving to go get you a win and go get you a big shot. Do you want Isaiah or do you want Kyrie? And there may not be two point guards in the league or two guards in the league that you want before Isaiah in that spot. There might not be, given the season that Isaiah had last year for the Celtics. But I think Kyrie Irving is one of them. I keep coming back to it. There might not be two, 
but I think there's one, and I think that one is Kyrie Irving. If 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 you look at just the Eastern Conference, and if you call I mean if you call LeBron a guard, if you call Durant a guard, I mean you know so on and so forth. You know if if you don't call them guards, I should say. In the Eastern Conference, anyway, I I still think if push comes to shove. Irving versus Thomas, you take Kyrie every time. It, it pains me to say it because I loved Isaiah Thomas and I know what he meant to this team and to the city. He maybe single-handedly, from a player's perspective, revitalized Celtics basketball. And, and, and my heart broke when they had to give him away to go get go get Kyrie Irving. But I understand it. And, and, and seeing what Kyrie did last night just reaffirms it for me. The guy is worth it, he's a leader, and he can take a game over. So, of course, the continuation of the winning streak begs the question, where are they going to go from here? Do they continue it? When's it going to end? So on and so forth. Well, here's what they're looking at. I will say this. The Celtics' schedule, first of all, looks, from a, a games and days perspective, extremely grueling. Today is November 21st. By the end of the month, November 30th, the Celtics will play an additional five games. Five games in nine nights. That includes a back-to-back coming this weekend. So there's a lot of basketball for the Celtics. I mean, and and it, it seems to me that they've played an awful lot of basketball through the course of this season already. I mean, it's just it, it, it seems like they've had a very tight schedule. And obviously, they've managed it extremely well. It's not going to get any easier. Five games before the end of the month, and then another one on December 2nd. So if you add it all up, that's five games in nine nights, and then six and 11. So it's a lot of basketball. And the fact that they're getting through this without any more injuries, without anybody needing a, a major blow, it makes it even more remarkable. But let's set the stage for you. The next several look like, look like this. Next game is tomorrow night, and that's one that could trip them up if they're not careful. At Miami, at the Heat. Not a terrible team, not a great team, but certainly a team with some talent. Could trip up the Celtics if they're not careful. After that, Friday, they get the Thanksgiving holiday off, then they're back at it on Friday. They play at home against the Orlando Magic. You figure they're going to be a good favorite there. Then the next day, they got to get on a plane right away. And the next night, they play at Indiana. Pacers, not a great team. But again, you're you're talking about the back end of a two-night stretch. So you're going to have tired legs. You're going to play three games in four nights starting tomorrow night. And the only day off is Thanksgiving when, you know, who knows how much they're going to eat, but they know their bodies better than me. After the Pacers game, come back home. Monday, only a day to rest again. Monday, at home against Detroit. The surprising Detroit Pistons have played quite well. They'll come for a game on Monday night, and then they end the month at home against the Philadelphia 76ers. So the next five look like that. At Miami, home against the Magic, at Indiana, home against Detroit, home against the Sixers. It is a doable stretch it's it, it's a doable schedule to get to 20 if you're thinking you know are they, are they going to win 20 in a row 
it's it's possible with that schedule. I mean, there's no games at Cleveland, at Golden State, at San Antonio, at Houston. You know, there, there's no really just games where you would look at the schedule and say, eh, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not tonight anyway. And quite, I mean, quite frankly, the Celtics, the way they're playing right now, will be in every game that they play. I mean, they're just they're they're playing that well, and, and you wouldn't count them out of any game. But there, there's like what I'm trying to say is there's no road games against any top formidable team in the NBA. Not you know, no at Oklahoma City, anything like that. So there are certain, there's a couple road games in there. They both seem winnable. I think there's a reasonable chance that the Celtics could push this thing to 20, if not 21. I, I you know, they're, they're playing that well. I mean, it's I, I don't want to analyze it any more than that. I mean, there's there, there's no reason to break the games down before they're play, you know, before we actually get to them. They're playing that well. They're you know, and, and when when guys have off nights like they did last night, they've got Kyrie Irving that they can lean on. I mean, they don't want to get in the habit of doing that all the time. I mean, Kyrie can't carry them the entire season, but he hasn't had to in this in this streak. I mean, if, if you look back over the 16 wins, they're not just winning with him. They're winning with defense, and they're winning with team play. And that's a recipe for sustained success. They will be able to win a lot more games, even if this streak comes to an end. They'll win a lot more games if they continue to rely on that formula. So, hats off to the Celtics, 16 in a row. They will go for 17 tomorrow night in Miami, and then hopefully 18 at home against Orlando on Friday. So let's move over to the hockey rink and talk Bruins for a second. The Bruins were in a pretty big slump, had lost four in a row, but have now put together back-to-back wins against the LA Kings last Thursday, and most recently against the San Jose Sharks on Saturday. And if you look at what happened in that San Jose game, it was a very, very encouraging sign. I'm not saying the Bruins are going to break out of this. They're still you know, well behind first place Tampa Bay in the division. They're still out of a playoff spot, but it's really, really early. And they're not far out of a playoff spot, by the way. They're, they're three points behind the Detroit Red Wings for third place in the division. And they also have two games in hand on them. So it's not like they're, they're way behind and out of a playoff spot, and it's way too early to be talking about that anyway. But in any event, the San Jose game is a nice sign of things, potentially a nice sign of things to come, and potentially a nice indicator of what could happen the rest of this season. Goal scorers in the game. Peter Chalaric, just up from Providence, his first. Jake DeBrusque, his fourth. He also had an assist on the Chalaric goal. And Danton Heinen, his fourth. Notice what you do not see on that score sheet. You don't see Brad Marchand. You don't see Patrice Bergeron. You don't see David Pasternak. You don't see any of the Bruins' big weapons and first and second line guys who quite literally have carried this team through most of this, most of this season. Seeing Heinen, DeBrusque, and Chalaric score is a big boost for the future and a, 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 a big boost for the potential of these younger guys to produce this season. That's what the Bruins need. You, when they came into the season, you knew they were going to need that. They were going to need production out of the bottom half of the lineup, and the bottom half of this lineup 
nine in and nine out, your third line, somewhat of your fourth, maybe deep into your second line, they're going to be comprised of young players all season long. So that's what you needed. You needed some production out of the young guys if the Bruins were going to be successful this season. And they beat a good team on the road with production from the young guys. And not only that, I haven't even talked about the goaltender. Because the goaltender in that game was not Tuka Rask. It was Anton Hudobin, who earned the first star of the game making 35 saves on 36 shots. Pretty darn good for a backup goaltender. And again, a nice sign of, of, of progress. A nice sign of someone who can come in and spell Tuca. Tuca, by the way, has not been himself this season. The numbers haven't really been there for him. You know, part of the numbers always lie for goalies because a lot of the goals just aren't their fault. I mean, a lot of goals, the goalies just have no chance on it. It's defensive breakdowns, it's turnovers, it's lucky bounces, it's rebounds, so on and so forth. A lot of goals, goal, you know, goaltenders just, you know, they, they can't prevent, and it's it's tough to say, well, he's no good because of his stats, but the book on Tuca is he hasn't been himself this season. And if that's the case, they're going to need to rely on, on Anton Hudobin, whoever else the backup goaltender is, but a 35 save on 36 shot performance is a pretty nice start for him. So a nice couple of wins to get the Bruins back on track, again, the youth movement needs to step up for the Bruins this season. If they don't, it's still a nice sign of things to come. A nice sign for the future of the team. And in case you missed it, another kind of a future Bruins announcement. Because I almost missed it. There, 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 were all, there was all kinds of winter classic announcements. And the one that got the most played down here in Philadelphia is uh, that the, the, the Flyers and the Penguins are going to meet up in a winter classic game next season in Lincoln Financial Field where the Eagles play. So that'll be pretty cool. But if you missed it, the Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks have been signed to play in the Winter Classic game in 2019 in Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend, Indiana. I find it somewhat surprising that Notre Dame is going to allow the use of their stadium for that, but that's pretty freaking cool. That's pretty cool. I know Michigan Michigan used, allowed the Red Wings to use their stadium uh, for a Winter Classic game not too long ago, but you know Detroit and Ann Arbor are right next to each other. Chicago's not far from South Bend, but it's not right next door. And uh, obviously, there's a there's a pretty big football stadium right in Chicago that could use it, that could do it. But the Winter Classic, like I said, 2019 Bruins Blackhawks Notre Dame. University of Notre Dame, Notre Dame Stadium, South Bend, Indiana. These Winter Classic games seem pretty neat. I, I've never been to one. The ticket prices pretty much everywhere are ridiculous for them. It doesn't matter if you're playing in Boston and Philly and, and where I've been, Canada. Where else have they been? Have they been in Chicago, Detroit? I know had one. I, I don't. I don't know where else they've been. Washington, maybe. I, there, there's been winter. A ton, you know. Tons of Winter Classic games. I know they did one in L.A. a little while ago, which seemed ridiculous, but they pulled it off, so whatever. In an outdoor stadium, but uh, they do seem pretty cool, and they're pretty cool to watch on TV. I, I don't know how cool it would be to see it live, because it seems to me like you'd be so far away that the sight lines would be very tough, and it would just, you know, you know obviously 
football stadiums, baseball stadiums. I know they had one in Fenway a little while ago. They're, they're not made for this. They're not made for hockey, so it's, it's kind of tough to follow the game. But being there would be pretty neat. It would be freaking cold outside. But these Winter Classic games have been a very, very big tool for the NHL. A very big marketing success, it would seem like. They all sell out. They get a lot of attention on NBC, you know, for, for hockey. You know, it's no secret that of the four major professional sports leagues and, and, and sports themselves, hockey is a distant fourth. Now that the NBA has really come back, hockey is a distant fourth. And these Winter Classic games are, are big wins for the NHL. They're, they're, they're games that, uh, that that really put the NHL on the map more than most others do. So nice to see the Bruins involved in another one. It's going to be tough for me to make a trip to South Bend, Indiana in presumably January of 2019. I'll have a four-year-old son and knock on wood, hopefully assuming all goes right here, an 11-month-old daughter. We're due to, we're due, we're expecting our second child in February. So hopefully all that, you know, I'm praying that that obviously goes well. Everything's gone well so far. So it'll be tough for me, to, bottom line, it'll be tough for me to get out to South Bend for that, for that type of a game. But if you can go, hey, make the plans now. That would be really, really neat to go out to South Bend and sit in Notre Dame Stadium for that game. But on to more pressing matters. What are the Bruins doing from here? The schedule for the Bruins, it seems like it's been not nearly been as grueling for the Bruins as it has for the Celtics, but of course they, they started earlier. Uh, but Bruins get back in action tomorrow night for the first time in four nights, I think, at the New Jersey Devils. The Devils have been a surprising team this season. They lead their division, kind of came out of nowhere after a couple really down years in North Jersey, but have come out hot, lead their division, so the Bruins are in for a tough test on Wednesday night. After that, they come back home for three, but check this schedule out. Friday, home, Pittsburgh Penguins, defending Stanley Cup champions. That game is at 1 o'clock on NBC. Sunday, home, Edmonton Oilers, game's at 5 o'clock. Wednesday, next Wednesday, a week from tonight, home, Tampa Bay Lightning, who lead the division and have the most points in the Eastern Conference. And I think the NFL, right, NFL, NHL, right, I think they lead the NHL in points right now. So three home games in a row after this tough one at New Jersey, but none of them are easy. I mean, Edmonton would probably be, probably be the easiest game in that stretch, but they've got a lot of young guys. Connor McDavid's playing really well. It, it, it's hard for me to say any of these games are going to be really easy, and if, if Edmonton is the easiest game in that stretch, you know you're in for something. So the Bruins are going to find out what they're made of pretty fast here playing three really good teams at home after playing a very good team right now on the road. They're going to find out a lot about themselves. If they can come away with a couple of wins in this streak, I mean, if, they win, if they can win three out of four, they, can, they, they ought to feel really, really good about themselves and, and, and feel pretty good about where the season could be heading. But that is a daunting stretch. A daunting stretch. At New Jersey, home against Pittsburgh, home against Edmonton, home against Tampa Bay. Tough stretch. 
Selfishly, I'm looking forward for that homestand to be over because the first game for the Bruins after that Tampa Bay game is here in Philadelphia. Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday, no, I think it's December 2nd. Saturday, December 2nd. Uh, and I have a ticket, so uh, I'm, I'm jealously looking forward to this homestand being over so I can go down and see the Bruins play the Flyers at the Wells Fargo Center. But that's how it looks for the Bruins. It's been nice to see them get get the ship righted here, especially with the young guys kind of carrying the load. They are in for a very, very difficult test over the next week and a half to see if they can get some points on the board against some of the NFL, NHL's best teams. So uh, look for some Bruins hockey over the next uh, week and a half, obviously. And uh, we should have a lot to talk about Bruins-wise pretty soon. So before we let you go for the day, uh, a little bit about what the, the rest of the week is going to look like. We're going to give everybody the rest of the week off after tomorrow. Uh, with any time on Friday, we may be able to do a, a Patriots preview, but that is highly unlikely. So tomorrow, we may get into a little bit of a Patriots preview just because it's going to be our last show for the week. No show on Thanksgiving. Not likely to have a show on Friday. I have family in town for Thanksgiving. We got, obviously, we have our own family activities going on. Uh, and you're probably too busy with family activities to listen to the podcast anyway, and I wouldn't blame you for that. Uh, so tomorrow's show, we're probably going to do some, some Patriots stuff. We'll get into any news that comes up between then and now, but we may do a Patriots preview for the game on Friday against the Dolphins. That is much earlier than I like to do it. I kind of like to see what the rosters look like. What injuries have have gone down, and and you know to, 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 to kind of study the other team's roster a little bit more. But uh, got to get the Patriots preview in, so we're probably going to do it tomorrow. Uh, that'll be the last show for the week. We'll be back to you next Monday with uh, another edition, obviously breaking down the Patriots game and, and and everything that has gone down over the weekend from there. So, with that being said, that is today's show. My thanks to everybody listening. Remember that you can listen to us in Anchor. As always, you can also get us <clears throat> wherever you get your... In most places you get your podcasts. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. Uh, we get those shows up generally in the morning after they are posted. So you can listen to it on your ride home uh, or anytime that you want to listen to the podcast after that. For now, again, thanks for everybody who's listening, whatever way you're doing it. For now, have a great Tuesday wherever you are. We'll be back to you tomorrow morning with the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. But make it a great day, everybody. See you tomorrow.